0: Hey, Real Talk listeners, welcome back to our mini-series. We're talking about uh, The Great Resignation. And so uh, here with a special guest today, uh, we are bringing him back for more insights, tips, and tricks for you guys. The Great Resignation. AJ, welcome back. We're so glad to have you back.
1: It's great to be here. I always enjoy having conversation with you guys. It's always a fun time.
0: Yeah, our listeners love, love, love getting insights from you um, because it's just very insightful for them to be able to make some impact in their organization from a TA side of things and really get some insights into, you know, even if they're not necessarily leaders, but they're individual contributors, get insights into... Uh, how they can best adjust their their resumes or whatever, whatever it is. So would love for you to bring all of your knowledge to our listeners today, whether you're an HR person listening into this podcast, you're a business leader looking to hire or you're someone in the midst of the Great Resignation. There's so much going on, AJ. It's just insane and intense, uh, you know, in different aspects. So what are your you know, initial thoughts on this Great Resignation?
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much for your kind words. I, I enjoy helping everybody across the board from clients to candidates to peers, anybody else that, that my insight helps, I love it. So, um, my insight to the great resignation is it's crazy. You know, we've gone through crazy times in TA with crazy different job markets, especially dating back to 2010, 2012. And this is nothing like it. You know, I, fig- I figured if we made it through that, We can make it through anything, but this is completely different in a fact where the jobs are still out there and people are making lateral moves nonstop. They're either chasing a dollar, they're chasing a better opportunity, they're chasing better benefits, whatever the case may be. People are leaving their current companies and making lateral moves, keeping the same title and just going to a direct competitor or somewhere else where their skills are directly transferable. And they're making... 10% 10% more, or they're getting different benefits or bonuses, or whatever the case may be. And right now it seems like a lot of people are in flux. It's like there's so many job openings, but people are leaving to go elsewhere, but they're not going elsewhere. So it's where are they?
0: <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. Where are the candidates? Like you're, you know, people are willing to move around and conduct laterals. You'd think it'd be, I don't know, it shouldn't it be easy right now to source?
1: It should. It also seems that. I mean, my return rate, I I use LinkedIn Recruiter as the majority of my time. And I typically have a return rate on in-mails around 35 to 40%. I'm not saying they all accept. Some of them do decline. But at one point, a few months ago, that was down to about 13%. And people were just not replying or responding at all. And I had no idea what it was. So talking to hiring managers and HR executives within from my clients and also just peers, they're having the same problems. They said, we're getting ghosted nonstop. People are setting up interviews and never showing, no call, no show. They're bleeding employees because a lot of companies, what they did is they put their focus on attracting new employees rather than retaining the current ones they have that didn't leave yet. And that's the key word, yet. So it's it's across the board.
0: Yeah, there's two things I want to highlight there that you mentioned, that the retention of employees and how important that is, but also that um, people are ghosting. Let's start there. Has ghosting ever (laughs) been a thing of the past with with recruiting? I mean, like to this intensity?
1: You know, it really depends on the level of skill set, but I'm seeing it across the board. It doesn't matter if you have a director title or an entry level title. People are ghosting. High-level professionals are ghosting, and it blows my mind.
0: Yeah. What do you think? What, what's behind this? Why are people getting ghosted?
1: For TA, I feel like maybe it's because these candidates feel like, given the way the, the uh, job market is right now, they have a direct in. All they have to do is apply in or reach out directly so they can skip this added step of using uh, a recruiter or whatever it may be. But as for ghosting interviews at client sites or directly if they applied within them internally, I have no idea what it is. I don't know if they have other jobs lined up. And I always do ask, you know, what do you have going on? If this interview process takes a week and a half, are you expecting an offer letter in that time? Are you in the final stages? And I always try to get that information. And not a lot of people are talking saying, yeah, I've got five or six other jobs I'm interviewing for. Everybody's kind of keeping quiet. And I don't know if they are interviewing and then they just take a position and say, ah, screw the professionalism. I've got the job. So who cares about the other ones that I don't want or what the case may be? I I wish I could get inside the mind of some of these people.
0: Yeah, me too. Um I would love to know what's transpiring out there and and maybe we talk to some candidates that have ghosted people or or are going through this entire process. I would love to do that a little bit to pick up pick through some uh different people's minds a little bit, you know.
1: <laughs> it is is the Tinder culture of ghosting transferring to the professional culture.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why this is going on, but it's it's super interesting and fascinating. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I, I've got more jobs open now than than I have for a very long time, but the return rate and the response rate is is what's making it a little bit more difficult. I'm just sending out twice as many emails.
0: That's interesting because, um, yeah, you have all these you know search firms that organizations uh, reach out to. And yeah, there's a ton of uh, open positions. It's it's got to be like great. You're like, oh great, I have all these positions to to work on. But it's like finding the talent is almost as hard as being like a technical recruiter. Like those technical recruiters work like six months to a year on like one tech position. It's the same thing for like any position right now.
1: <laughs> like executive level search, I've seen a lot of agencies, and I'm venturing into it as well, a transition to more of rather than a contingency, either a pay up front for the hours of work, and then a smaller fee for every placement, or a retainer, complete retainer at a discounted rate, you know, for a bulk of five positions, because companies are getting desperate right now. Staffing agencies are running their, their time thin trying to go across the board. So it, Uh, clients are really starting to try to figure out different avenues to gain more traction with getting candidates.
0: Let's conduct a plug right now, right? So for those maybe first time listening to AJ AJ on this podcast, he has his own uh, own company um, where he conducts uh, talent search and a number of different initiatives. So AJ, you want to just tell a first time listener listening into you and how they can contact you and what services you have to offer?
1: Sure. My name is AJ Vollmoller. I am the owner and operator of Future Force uh, Staffing and Recruiting. Been in business for about four and a half years now. Also wrote a book called How to Not Get Hired. It is a comedic book, but it does help teach you things that you should not do on interviews and on um, resume writing. And I am what you would call a 90 day plus recruiter, meaning I don't touch jobs for my clients until they've been open for 90 days or more, until the other staffing agencies have kind of left it behind because they can't fill it. So I come in and, as I say, I back clean up. Um, If my clients, I have a lot of them right now trying to push a ton of brand new wrecks on me. I don't compete with the other staffing agencies. I wait for them to essentially fail at placing or filling one position, and then I swoop in and I never post jobs so I don't know what the market is like with inbound candidates I am a true to life headhunter I poach
0: Yeah that's got to be tough you know so you have like one of the toughest roles essentially cuz you <laughs> wait for the staffing agencies who go out they post the roles they conduct the searches they open the racks all that kind of stuff and then it's like wow we can't get anybody like in the first 90 days so for you it's like then they come to you and they're like hurry up, I need somebody. It's been 90 days. And then you have to like go do your magic. So it's got to be... A, I mean, it's a, it's a tough skill set, essentially.
1: And typically, with my business model, I have to have a ton of clients because my clients don't have 90-day open recs every month over month. You right. Know, some of my small business clients may only come to me three or four times a year. So I have to have those constant clients coming in. And I'm starting to notice that even my my small business and medium business clients that used to only do three or four a year, they're sending me over three or four a month now and say, hey, this just hit 90 days. Can you take it off our plate? This just hit 90 days. Can you take it off our plate? (laughs) So jobs are staying open longer. And I don't understand why. I, I really don't have insight into that. I've read thousands of articles trying to piece it all together and form my own opinion. And I'm just riding the wave.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. What um, Any articles that stand out to you that were very just informative or anything that you've read? Because I know that there's a lot of different articles going on on the Great Resignation right now and all these hypotheses as to what's transpiring.
1: (laughs) What I do is because I'm not a fan of reading one article and running with it or worse, reading a headline and running with it. I don't read a lot of books. I read probably 10 to 15 articles a day, you know, two, three, four minute reads. I read them throughout the day. If I have a quick downtime or whatever, I'll pick up the phone, read an article. Um, Forbes, I really like reading Forbes articles. They have a lot of insight, but I really try to read as many articles, especially ones that are controversial to each other, and for my own opinion. Take information out, see what information is consistent in, you know, 10 different articles, and know that's it. If I see a piece of information in one article and it's not another nine, I don't consider it valid information.
0: Love it. Love it. No, that's good. That's good. Especially, you know, it
1: happens in your these days.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's true. So let's talk and kind of get into what are you seeing or hearing from candidates that's most important to them that businesses need to reflect on from a retention perspective, right? You talked a little bit about, well, benefits might be a thing that, uh, sway someone compensation, you know, all these different types of things. I mean, I can't tell you how many businesses are like, we're losing employees for 40% more compensation. I can't compete with that. I don't have enough. If I gave everybody in my organization 40% increase to fix the internal inequity that's going on, I'm going to be out of business. I can't compete with some of these other companies, right? So compensation isn't something that always can be a competitive beat for someone. And it shouldn't necessarily always be a retention tool. That's just my philosophy. If someone wants to leave and jump for compensation, you know, it's just going to happen, especially if it's if it's so far off, like significant, like 40% more, like that's insane. We just, you know, companies, you know, realistically can't compete with that. But they can compete with some benefits and things that are attracting talent to other roles. I'd love to hear what you're hearing out there, uh, you know, outside of compensation, that's an important factor for businesses to consider in retaining their talent, but why people are essentially leaving other organizations.
1: Now, mind you, I only work with small, with startups, small and medium businesses. So I can't speak for the big companies of what they should do. But I have two clients and two of them, have, both of them have taken different approaches to retention and attraction. And it has worked, and I really like these two approaches. And one of my clients, small company, 35 employees, but multi-million dollar company. And rather than doing yearly reviews, they're doing reviews every six months now. So you're eligible for an increase in your compensation or a title increase. You know, you can be advanced or receive more responsibilities, or whatever the case may be, every six months rather than every year. And what this does is when a candidate hears that, especially in the interview process, it shows that their path can be accelerated. Because now instead of having to wait year after year to advance, you can can advance if you're good every six months. And that's really attractive to a lot of people. And it's a very simple thing to do. Now, if you try to do that with a company that has a 1,000 employees, it's very time-consuming. So it really works on the size of the company. And another one of my companies with a little bit larger headcount, what they did is rather than like you just said, that we can't pay everybody ten or $20,000 more, whatever the case may be, but they can bring in things for retention. And what they brought in was a financial advisor that all of the employees have access to. And new employees especially, but old employees are loving it because it's helping them manage their money. They are essentially making more money if they're able to manage it better. If you're making a hundred grand a year and you mismanage your money, you can be living paycheck to paycheck. If that, if you're making a hundred grand a year and you know how to manage your money correctly, you can be living pretty good life, depending on where you are, obviously not New York city, but um, (laughs) you, you get what I'm saying. So it, it really adds that benefit. And if you're able to pitch it correctly, it's a huge impact and it's not that big of an expense.
0: Have you been seeing the benefit of hybrid work or remote work also in your conversations a lot?
1: I have. I don't have any clients that have went hybrid yet. I have some clients that are hard-pressed. We're in office. That's what we do. I have other ones that have adapted the full work-from-home business model. I have not had any that have really transitioned into that, that middle mode of hybrid because... Whatever they're doing right now is is working for them.
0: So remote work, has that been an important factor from candidates uh, that you're sourcing wanting to do that kind of, Is, is that what the masses are looking for right now? And do you anticipate that staying and remaining the same, you know, down the road?
1: Well, here's the thing. I do a lot of tech recruiting. I do sales recruiting. Traditionally, tech can work from home someone calls in sick or they can't come into work that day, they're allowed to work from home. So that transition has been being set up for years. And with sales, the majority of the reps are working from a home-based office already because they have a larger territory or whatever the case may be. So now, rather than saying you have to come in one or two days a week just to do your call blocks, they can go ahead and do it from home. Now, obviously, the software is monitoring their calls and things like that, but I have some candidates that are all about it, and I'd say the majority like that work from home model, but I also have some that perform better in an office. They like having the energy around them. They tell me, I do better when I have other people around me. We kind of all uh, build each other up and make each other want to work harder. And I get that. I've worked from home for almost five years now, and sometimes I do crave an office with people, you know, that that coffee maker chit-chat in the morning. You know, just things like that. Or you hear someone did something good or placed this candidate and it makes you want to place more, place two or whatever it is. So I like the competitiveness an office brings, um, especially in the sales aspect. But the way of the world right now, most people are okay with working from home. And if they do like the the, um, office position or in the office, if you have a job that you present to them that they really do like, it's not that bad to work from home.
0: Great. But kind of talking through retention models outside of benefits and compensation, is there any other uh, any other indicators of uh, why people are leaving organizations that leaders can kind of get ahead on from retaining their talent? Are you seeing anything from dissatisfaction in, in company leadership, lack of communication and transparency, anything like that uh, outside of benefits and compensation?
1: It's lack of leadership. A lot of these leaders nowadays are completely overworked. You know, I have some clients that they've lost some of their their staff or to whatever reason or they, they furloughed them or laid them off and now they're trying to rehire and the managers are handling all the jobs that you know that are waiting to be backfilled and that's taking their focus off of leading now they're just a worker bee you know and they should be always you don't want a manager kick back with his feet behind or their feet up on the desk but at the same time they don't have the amount of time now to dedicate to discussing with their employees what their future looks like what you know it's always problem 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 problems how do we solve this how do we solve this rather than where do you see yourself going and is there anything i can help you with to help you achieve your goals it's more work related now rather than that personal relationship and i feel like a lot of candidates nowadays feel that personal connection is missing and that's what they're looking for because i'm noticing a lot of feedback I get after an interview, with, after one of my candidates' interviews with the hiring manager, One of the first thing they talk about is how they built the rapport. You know, the, the rapport was really good. So they're bringing up a lot more that the communication between themselves and the hiring manager who they interviewed with went very well, rather than just pointing out position or specifics about the job.
0: So it makes me wonder, you know, are leaders then leaving organizations that are understaffed because they are now becoming a tactical individual contributor and not really doing what they were hired to do?
1: Leaders are starting to lead organizations rather than lead people. And to me, that's a huge problem.
0: Yeah, they're becoming one of the individuals. And then it's just hard to get out of it, especially since you're so understaffed. I mean, how... Do companies get out of that situation in that circumstance because there's a lack of candidates in the pipeline?
1: <laughs> there is. There's a lack of candidates. The competitiveness, you know, candidates are taking offers and taking them back to their current company and you know, saying, "Hey, can you beat this?" And a lot of companies, it used to be highly frowned upon. I know I would never handle that. You come to me with an offer. I don't care how good of an employee you are. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to beat that offer. But um, things are just changing. Everybody, it's getting a little bit, lack of better terms, savage.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty intense. (laughs) Well, you know, in some cases, they say it's an employee's market because there were so many people... Unemployed, uh, and so many positions that were open from an employer. But I also think, in some cases, it is an employer's market in some aspects because they have the flexibility to make those decisions because there's so many candidates out there. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't really know which coin to flip on this one. <laughs>
1: so for the clients, for the companies, one thing that I highly recommend is I've seen a few of my clients get into this even against my advice. Just because you have an open position that needs to be filled, do not sacrifice what values you're looking in the person or in the candidate to fill that. Don't hire out of just need to fill this quick. Let's get somebody in the role. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost me time because I'm going to end up recruiting again on that same exact position. (laughs) And people still need, even in these times of desperation, trying to get candidates these hiring managers and these companies still need to stick to their values and be able to decline candidates that are not 80 or 90% fit at minimum. Don't just grab somebody because you're in a pinch.
0: But one may say that there's burnout on their team. They need to get bodies in there. How do you not settle when you're trying to stop the entire circle of what's transpiring? (laughs)
1: Because the thing is, if there's burnout on a team and you're trying to get bodies in there and you don't do your folder diligence through the interview cycles and you stick somebody in there, one bad apple can poison an entire team. It, it, you know, if, if it's a team of 1,000, it's a different story. But most teams are small, 10, 15, or smaller. You put one bad person in there, they can poison the mindset. They can poison the focus. They can poison everything about that team. So I can't stress enough stick to your guns. If you're having a problem filling a position, sit down and round table with that team. Discuss them. Let them know what's going on. Tell them the benefits. Even though there's not a big benefit to waiting, there's a lack of benefit to hiring somebody quick just to get them in and start pushing paperwork out or whatever the case may be. It's communication nowadays. and. The employees want to hear from the managers what's going on in the company, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I feel like managers will just be open and honest about them and talk to them about not only the problems that they're seeing with their team, but also the problems the managers are having, you know, and being overworked. Humanize yourself, communicate with your team and be a part of them rather than just being an oversight.
0: Yeah. Great insights. Um, so 2022, what do you anticipate to transpire in the future? What, what are you predicting? What does the magic eight ball say? Do we um, you know, kind of like the chip shortage, they were already predicting we're gonna have this chip shortage until 2024, maybe. Like <laughs> do you anticipate this great resignation to continue this whirlwind of employees, you know, making lateral moves or or moves into different types of roles and positions. Do you anticipate this to continue being uh, an issue all year round in 2022? Or is there any hope and uh, opportunity and light at the end of the tunnel for these organizations?
1: I think there's a lot of hope and opportunity and light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, obviously, you and I, I believe the last time we were on a, a Zoom call, it was the beginning of 2021. And you asked me pretty much the same question. What do I foresee for 2021? I don't remember verbatim what I said. I would like to go back to see if I was accurate or not. <laughs> but um, for 2022, the thing is, is it's awareness. Everybody's aware of what's going on in the job market. This is no longer new to people. It's no longer surprising. Yes, it has a, a fun title, The Great Resignation, but we've been hearing it for months already. It, this didn't just come around the corner and say, hey, surprise, I'm here. Companies are planning for it now. Pe- companies are understanding what needs to be done for retention and attraction. They're they're slowly adjusting. Bigger companies, they take a little bit longer to adjust, and smaller companies, you know, they can they can pivot on the dime. But I feel for 2022, especially the latter half of it, Q3, Q4, things are gonna balance out a little bit more. I mean, let's face it, we have a ton of open jobs. And for some odd reason, people leaving those jobs but not going to other ones. These people, are, unless they're all entrepreneurs and have Shark tank ideas that they're you know, side hustles. I don't foresee people, I almost see a a mass influx next. This is the great resignation. Now I see a mass influx of multiple people. Almost what we saw, you know, back in 2010 and 2012, more people applying for the jobs than are because some people are just like, let me take a few months off. I made some money, I've got in the bank, and then it'll be easier to find a job. So I see it turning much more into an employer's market than a candidate's market for the latter half of 2022.
0: All right. Well, we're going to reach back out to you at the end of 2022 and see if you're... I I hope I'm wrong.
1: It's bad for for TA. (laughs) You know, For external, for agencies, that's not ideal. But I mean, it's great for companies. It's great for the clients if they ultimately have more candidates than they need to fill headcount.
0: Definitely. Definitely. I agree. I agree. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know, take a look and re-listen to your to- the 2021 one and see how... I'm, less- I'm
1: going to go back right after this. I have it. I have it queued up.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Any last, uh, you know, tips, ad- pieces of advice for, um, you know, three different categories here, people looking for a position, any advice you can give them, Companies that are hiring, and then people in the HR realm that are kind of working between the business leaders and the candidates, right? So, any advice you can give for kind of you know different pieces of advice for those three uh, different types of demographics?
1: So, for the candidates actively looking, or looking to transition, or thinking that you're going to start looking soon because their bank account's getting low and they can't stay off work for a few months, my advice to you is to do it sooner than later. The longer you wait, the more jobs, the the, uh, the more headcount there's going to be for the jobs, more applicants there's going to be for the jobs. It's just, it's going to pick back up. It's it's inevitable, which is a matter of when. So I say, get it done now. You're going to transition, do it. If you're going to start looking, do it. If you're out of work and you're currently thinking about getting back into work, do it now, because at this point. If you get in in what I would consider to be the ground floor of the great resignation at the end of the year, when there's a whole bunch of more entry level people than you, they're going to be looking, especially if there was a mass exodus from that company, they're going to be looking at their current employees to take that next step in the company. So get in now and within a year, you might have a, uh, a nice higher title or whatever it may be promotion for the clients. Stick to your guns. Do not sacrifice your hiring. Do not sacrifice what your company is about. Go with your gut. Do not try to backfill a position with a candidate just because you think they might be able to do it. And on paper, they look good. And you just need something. Just stick to the guns. Also for retention, provide some added benefits other than money You know, to your current employees and also to new ones. You want to show that you're Extending the benefits that you're offering to all employees, not just the new ones you're trying to attract. That's how you piss off current employees, and that's why they leave. <laughs> For HR, um, <laughs> call me. I can help. <laughs> I
0: love it. I love it. Um, well, great. So great having you today. I appreciate you. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are super excited to get your insights um, and your predictions into the future. <laughs> we'll uh we'll connect again, I'm sure, next year to hear your future predictions and see how your your old ones panned out. But um it's always great for us to to connect here. I think, you know, for us in this mini-series, getting different insights from different individuals uh from different aspects of you know, talent acquisition, recruiting. Um you know, it's very insightful to those listening to our calls, just be, or you know, our podcast, just to, you know, get some insights into how they can make change, especially going into 2022, all those New Year's resolutions that are coming up, but, you know, making business decisions as they close up the end of the calendar year or their fiscal years. And so it's really important for for leaders uh, listening into the calls or, or candidates. So if you're an employee at an organization considering a change, all of this is... Super critical for you and understanding. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, send them over to us or reach out directly to AJ. I'm sure um, he'll be able to assist you with any of your needs.
1: FutureForceTalent.com and AJ at FutureForceTalent.com.
0: Perfect. That's how you can get a hold of him. So reach out if you guys have any questions or send them over to us. Uh, We would love to hear uh, your feedback from this podcast. Have a wonderful uh, day. AJ, thanks so much for joining us. Take care.
1: Always a pleasure, Maria. Thank you.